Hey guys, this is Jeremy from 78 Productions, and this week with us we have Jesse. Hey! Um, before we get into the topic uh, that we have for today, I want to talk to you guys about our sponsor for this week. It is Buzzsprout.com. Buzzsprout is a great option for you guys to do as far as podcasts for your churches. If your church is looking for a different way to be able to get your content out there, then you may, may want to consider just being able to do Buzzsprout for your podcasts. And the reason I'm suggesting this is you could live stream your, your church service. You could probably put it on a church CD, but all these different options are very inconvenient. You have to be on the internet to be able to do the live streaming. You probably have to be there if you're not going to allow playback for later use. If it's a YouTube option, then you have the the download stream, which is always difficulty. If you're doing a CD, you have to show up to get the actual the actual podcast but if you're going to put all this content all this effort into something that you want to be able to distribute to people buzzsprout is a great opportunity for you to have people put it onto their phones onto their mp3 players to be able to listen to on long drives i know for us this is what we use to host our podcast um and, and there's a lot of different people that may want to just have different approaches to how they do something like this and so i want to give you a couple ideas for this and then go check out buzzsprout sign up for it it's free for two hours worth of free content, so consider going to do this. So here's two ideas for you guys to be able to do beyond just recording your Sunday sermon. So if you guys want to go an extra step into being able to do uh, different podcasts, you can have your pastor do a before-after devotional where you take the content that you don't necessarily use on Sunday and you go out there and you just share that content. And for those that do pastoral work, you know that you only use about 10, 15% of your content that you actually research. So why not share a little bit more of that content? So that's one option. The other option for you guys you might want to seriously consider is the ability to go out and to actually talk with your church, get to know who's in your church and to know what's going on. So you can interview some of the elders whenever there's a new vision casting. You can interview the youth worker whenever you're about ready to go to camp and take a bunch of youth to camp. You can interview the new worship pastor you might have just hired or the secretary who is behind the scenes and gets to see how everything runs. So great second option. Get to have the congregation know who your audience is. Let the community engage as well. It's a great opportunity for you to be able to hit a completely different target demographic. All right, for stage one, we are going to be talking about something that a lot of people are passionate about. It's a really hot topic about which is better, Android, Apple, we both have different backgrounds in what this means, and for me, it's an Apple background. For you, it's an Android background. But I'd love to focus on what this means specifically for the church tech community. What should they be investing in? How should they be going about this? So where do we start off with with this, Jesse? I really think that Android is such a powerful platform, um, and and with a couple shifts in the market that's that's been happening recently, I think churches can take advantage of it. Um, in a way that they, you know, maybe haven't been able to in the past. I know off-contract Android phones are getting cheaper and cheaper and better and better to the point where you'll pay a little bit more for an off-contract phone than you would signing up for a two-year contract, which is awesome. Um, I mean, if the difference is $200 and you got to shackle yourself to a two-year contract um, or $300 and you don't, 
you know, obviously that's a choice that they would have that someone would have to make, but I'd rather have no shackles, which is, you know, why I love Android and and pay a little bit more up front to to have the freedom and flexibility to do whatever I need to. Now, just to clarify what we're talking about here, you you talked about something called an ecosystem. And so for those that are not overly techie, the idea of an ecosystem, especially from Apple's standpoint, is the idea that we are working within a whole system of what is going on. And so specifically for Apple, you have your Macintosh laptop or desktop, and it's running on their own operating system that they have. Everything is closed. It's tight-knit. Uh, the design is very fancy, but then that easily integrates into how you interact with the iOS system, which is your mobile device, your tablet, your iPhone, all these different things, which I think for the most part, what Apple has done so successfully is said, you know what, we have a certain set of standards. You're going to have to meet those standards if you want to be on our operating system, and there's really not going to be anybody else that can get on this. And so Google has all these different companies that are trying to play ball with them. They have their own individual standards that that work well, but they also have a lot of other things going on yet for Apple they control the ecosystem that they work in. You have the the hardware is manufactured by them, the software is produced by them, and so everything really, really runs well. And so transferring files and, and being able to get your music on your phone, it's really a couple of clicks. And even beyond that, I think that one of the big things that Apple does is it just works well and it's very intuitive in how you're using it. But I do think I think this is maybe something that to set you up for your debate on it is maybe one of the big things that Google is starting to take advantage of that Apple does not have the ability to do is this discussion on what we are going to be doing in the future of being able to customize. And I feel like where Google at is right now and where Apple is right now is the entire debate that had been going on before whenever Mac was trying to get into the entire computer world when Windows was starting to take over. And Windows was being able to customize everything. It was being able to have this ability to integrate whatever you wanted. You could overclock your computer. You could have the ability to go into DOS and to customize things. You could customize your background. You can really try to make it your own PC, your own ability to use something however you want. And that's what Google is doing right now, whereas Apple is still continuing to say, our ecosystem is how we want it. It's cool, but it's not necessarily going to be how you want to use it. Even further, just the idea of the hardware, Apple, because it's controlling its ecosystem so much, you do not have the capacity to have the level of the hardware that's going on inside of it. I know that that the iPhone has been innovative. It's been trying to upgrade. I don't personally find innovation in a thumb reader to be something that's worth the amount of money that it costs. So if you want an iPhone 4S, you only you can get probably for like 99 cents, I think. But if you're trying to upgrade to a 5S, it's almost $100, $130 with all the different fees going on. Whereas if you're looking at something like the HTC One, the HTC One hardware is so much better than what the iPhone is trying to give off. And the fact of the matter is, is you can have a good quality camera but you can also have amazing processor speed. And there, a lot of people are saying that the processor speed in the 5S, not even worth being able to upgrade for. You really should just go for the 4S. And so what does it mean for innovation to be able to do a lot of these things? How can we actually say the ecosystem is important, but we need more to this. We need the hardware to be able to be at capacity. We also need to be able to have the software to say, you know what, this is actually innovative. It's actually improving our entire workflow to say 
we need to upgrade something like this that it's actually powerful enough to be able to do what we want it to do. And so I wonder what your thoughts are on with that to be able to say that you can't customize Apple to the level that you can customize Google. I I think it all I think it honestly all depends. I mean, I I think I think that you're right. I think that the stereotypes are definitely there. Um, and I and if you even look at church culture, you know you, you've 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 got that that I I device stereotype. You know, you know pastors with their you know goatees and glasses chilling in Starbucks with their Mac and their iPhone. I mean, it's like it's it's church sexy too. You know what I mean? Um, and and I do think that um, that Android does have a more techie feel and less of a less of that like premium product feel um, in someone's mind. I mean, but when you compare it against and and I agree that 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 was the case. I I wholeheartedly agree that as far as usability, um, as far as features, Android was behind. And what I what I keep seeing. Um, is is Google? You're right, playing catch up a little bit. You know they've they now have the market share. Um, they've got the big hitters. They've got Samsung. They've got well, I was going to say HTC. I mean they're kind of floundering, but they're making they're still making great phones. Um, you know Motorola. They they've got they've got heavy hitters. Um, you know on on the hardware end that really they're trying to they're trying to rein it in on the software. Um, you know, Samsung would just blow the heck out of Android by throwing in every feature that you, that you couldn't possibly need just to say it's there. Um, like that, that wasn't helpful. That wasn't helpful for users. I know setting, setting my mom up with one of her galaxy devices. I mean, it, it can be a pain in the butt trying to, Oh, well, what's this tutorial saying? No mom, you don't need to figure that out, you know, <laughs> like, it's, it's just not something you need to know, but today, um, even Samsung has toned down their skin, their updates are more helpful, Moto X is pretty much stock Android, um, I, I converted my wife to, to the Moto X, and, you know, she, she's done no customization, she doesn't even have a, a custom, a custom launcher on there, I've tried, but she won't do it. Um, so she's just got the, got the stock launcher, stock icon. She puts them where she wants. She's got her clock widget, and she's good. I, I think that I think that the usability um, is is gaining traction. I think that's where we're at currently. Um, I, it's it's an evolving market for sure. I will say I think that the one thing that Apple does not have that Google probably could jump leaps and bounds above in all that they do is that they are hardware agnostic. They don't care what hardware is in there. They are focused on giving you the best software experience of what is being able to be produced. They are focusing on how to have the best software in your email, in your search results, in all the different browser options that you want to be able to have with tab browsing and saving and trying to be able to sync that up to your websites on your, on your desktop. The fact of the matter is, is Google is doing an amazing job on the software Apple is having to make sure that everything in their ecosystem works hardware and software completely. And so Google might be getting an edge in the future, especially if Apple has to keep trying to make sure that things just run smoothly in everything that they do. What do you think about the fact that they have that capacity? What do you think that means for church techies that are trying to sell this to, to have their own pastors jump on board as well? 
I mean, and you, you can even see Google pushing for more of an ecosystem, you know, with, with things like Chromebooks and Chrome OS and, and you know, just the, the slow expansion and the, the slow connection of, of all of their different ecosystems. You know, they're, they're moving toward, you know, a, a single um, fluid experience similar to what I guess would be the, the Apple ecosystem. They're, they're, I feel like they're trying to create that they're in the process of trying to create that now, and I think that'll only benefit us all later. Um, in that, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I don't see them taking their Google apps off of, you know, Apple's market. I, I don't think that they'll play that way, but they will have an ecosystem if you if you want to jump into it, um, where you can you know feel comfortable and do your own thing inside of that ecosystem instead of an Apple ecosystem. Um, I mean. As, as an elder at a, at a very mobile church, we're always on the go. Um, every one of our senior leaders are on Android devices and Android tablets. Um, we just, we don't really have any hiccups. You know, we use it. We get tons of work done. Um, we've got our entire Deacon team on Google Hangouts. Um, and we do so much communi- good communication there. Um, so, I mean... Even from tiny churches to big churches, it's it's not a bad thing to invest into. So I do feel like as an Apple person, I there is some hope for Google. As a Google person, what would you say is maybe the one selling point of Apple that you really need to to consider as far as a church person? What would be one thing you would say is a positive note that a church technology person definitely should look at? I will give Apple a lot of credit. Their, their hardware... While it hasn't changed a ridiculous amount, it's still great hardware. Um, the software is great software. It's just locked down. I mean, it's it's not a bad ecosystem. It's just a limited ecosystem, in my opinion. So if, if your church has those resources and that's how you want to use them, um, I, I would say go for it. I mean, the experience is, is one of the best as far as as far as that's concerned but that's that's not where my ministry lands i like we're like i like i said we are small we are 35 to 50 people depending on the season you know we are we are moving fast and we do not have a lot of funds so android is where we land to get our stuff done and that's that's just the ecosystem that, that we've adopted um, at a relatively low cost and a high a high effectiveness for the work that needs to get done. I don't think anybody's changed their mind on this. I know, Jesse, you are still pro-Android. I know that I've always been looking into acquiring into what Google can offer me, especially with the fact that I love to tinker, but I still absolutely love the Apple device, and I'm not going to upgrade for the sake of upgrading. So we're probably both stuck where we're at, but I'd love to hear what you guys have to say on this. Are you pro-Apple, and if so, why? Are you pro-Google, and what is it that draws you to Google? And what do you think about your church? Do you think your church should go all Apple, all Google, what are some of the upsides and downsides of both? And how would you manage that if that's something that you did? So leave those comments below. And I think we're going to head to the power-up stage. So the power-up stage is where we talk about one of the articles that is on 70 Productions that one of us have written. And we look into how that came about to be a topic for the blog and then we also talk about the inspiration of what that was our reactions to it 
And normally I don't get to actually introduce a blog because one of you guys has written something wonderful, but I get the opportunity, Jesse, to, to introduce your series. You just concluded an entire series on what it means to blog on a different platform outside of WordPress. Can you tell us what it was that you wanted to do something like this? We, we write for a reason. Um, and, and I think that anything that helps us write better or, or write more effectively or communicate more effectively is a win in the end. I mean, like, I, I don't... This comes from... This ties into our previous discussion. I don't really use stock anything. I mean, just by its very nature, I won't use it, even if it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So... You know, I, I started looking around and I was like, oh, I don't I don't want to use WordPress's thing. I don't want to use their app. You know, that's that's what everybody does. I need to be cooler than that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, and, and I like to make things mine. The more I can customize and the more I can make something feel like it's my product, um, the more comfortable I feel. Um, I get a certain, I've been using the word zen a lot lately. I like it. I get like a certain zen about something and it, it just, it, I have no idea what it is about my cluttered mind, but it just clicks a switch and, you know, I get into a better groove. Um, and I would, I would hope that I'm not the only person like that. So hopefully as I communicate these things in writing, um, other people can, can kind of connect with that too. I do think you go a little bit differently than how I would have gone about it. And to be fair, I am somebody that has blogged for four years. I know what I like in my routine. I've gotten into those situations where I'm burnt out. In fact, I, I just actually wrote an article about that, of what it means to not like your blogging process. Um, just the fact that you can go into something and change things up. I offered my own version of what this would look like in a sense that I wanted to create a different environment. I wanted to get out of my space. I wanted to stop writing eBooks. So I actually had something to put into this blog, but you go about it differently in the sense that you are trying to change the platform that you're writing from. You're trying to change the actual hardware, the software of the, of the constructing the actual blog itself. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, like there's, there's so many different options out there that I don't see why, I don't see why someone who's, who's having a hard time or who's stuck in a rut can't, can't do a quick Google search or. Or visit or visit my my review table of contents and pick something and try it out, um, you know, because that's that's really all I'm doing. I mean, I'm not I haven't lived in these ecosystems for months. I mean, you know, it's it's not like reviewing a, a phone where I'll have it and you know sit down for weeks and learn every little bit of it. I'm just sitting down trying it out and seeing how it seeing how it goes really. Um, and some of them have been fantastic, and some of them I've been like meh, like. This doesn't help me write better, I don't think. And I think you can probably tell that by the article itself. So <laughs> since I'm writing I'm writing each article in the in the blogging platform that that I'm reviewing. So So I don't want to spoil the series itself, but going through the different articles, I think it's interesting how they're all a little bit different and, and even from my own standpoint, I want to try them out and just see how they affect my own writing. But if you had to pick just one of these, which one is it that you would actually say is the best or the one that you would recommend to our audio listeners? The, the two that I like so far is is Writer, which is the first first article I put out. That was the client that I was using as my go-to for, for a few months, actually. It's nice. It's chill. It lets me do what I need to. I copy and paste it and format it in WordPress and 
slap my image in there and call it a day. Um, that that was my happy place, and I, and I liked it really because I could take it portably. We at Missio Day Church don't move around. We never stand still. Like <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, so it's for someone in my use case, it's it was essential. But I I tried to I tried to figure out what what it would be like to to have an office or or you know to have a few hours in a coffee shop to spend tried to integrate that as well but writer um is is probably going to be my it's, it's going to be my old friend you know what i mean but um the the brand new one that's coming out is um is ginkgo it's just weird it's weird it's wacky it's unique um you know as i was browsing through i watched the tutorial video i'm like there's there's no stinking way i'm gonna learn this it's got it's got three panes um, and it's, it's, it goes from, from broader topic to more specific to more specific, the farther right you travel. So it's, it's almost like an outline that you can write the full body of, of whatever you're composing in. And it's, it's weird. It's weird and wacky, but, um, I actually found that really helpful because I had never realized how much I would scroll up and down to see what I've already written, um, and to see if my content flows. And the way it's laid out and the way they do it is is perfect. You you know what's going on in your entire article at any given time, and you don't you don't have to do essentially any scrolling at all. Um, and so I, I think that that actually really helped me. I was actually going to try it out, you know, after the series is done, try it out for a few more articles, just because I really I really think it helped me find find that spot it clicked in my brain once I got used to the keyboard shortcuts once I got used to how the thing was laid out um it it really felt natural to me in, in the way that I think about things um so that one's that one's gonna be that one's gonna be up there with writer you know it's not my good old friend because it's new but it's it's a big contender for what I would use as a daily driver um and and the interesting thing is I even mentioned this in the article is that it doesn't it doesn't really have any customization options, which is uh, which is weird for me to like something that doesn't have any customization options. <laughs> like, what do you mean I can't change the font? Oh, okay. Well, I guess I don't really need to. This is really cool. <laughs> so, um, I'm not changing sides or anything like that. I still love my customization, but I just thought it was interesting that I actually enjoyed a product that didn't offer that. I'm not going to lie. I've never explored the idea of what we could do as far as software goes to be able to better program. I mean, I've, I've thought about the idea of closing all the browsers and, and trying to be able to not use markup, but the idea of using a completely different platform is intriguing and exciting, and so this might be something that I actually go out and do. Um, I'm a little worried about it because I, I like my comfort zone. Um, but it is definitely something I need to challenge myself, and so this might be something I add to the list of how can I make my blogging and writing actually that much better. So I, I have a challenge to throw out there. Um, I, I like new things um, to the point where if someone just dropped a comment and said, hey, your article stunk, but this is what I use, um, I would I would probably use that to write my next article. I mean, I, I love trying new things. Um, if it, if it works for me, it works. If it doesn't, you know, they were wrong and I can say that they were wrong and you know, that's fine. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, I, I love trying new things. So if you guys have anything, um, to add to that conversation, um, even as the series is wrapping up, I would love to be able to try it out. Um, 
and maybe I can have some more things to recommend to people. All right, so the challenge has been laid, you guys. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say as far as your own blogging platform. Don't do WordPress. Do try out some of the things that Jesse was talking about, and then also offer your own. How do you go about writing? I've heard of people that actually go that, that are programmers themselves, and they write their own books, and they actually use the, the programming platform that has all the different code in it and actually uses that for their book writing. Uh, other people just use typical word and that for them is so comfortable and, and enabling for them to write great content that they write it in word and they copy and paste it over into the blog article what is it that you guys use to do good blogging good writing how do you go outside of the norm to be able to get yourself out of your own space but specifically within the software realm so we're not necessarily looking at going to a different place eating different foods trying to get more sleep all that stuff all that could be important but specifically with the platform that you are writing on, it could be pencil and paper, it could be the actual tablet that you're using versus a versus a laptop. But what is it that you use, specifically software, that gets you outside of your normal routine, your normal funk that you might be in to be able to do better writing? We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Leave some comments. We might even talk about you on the next podcast. So we'll look for you guys' comments then. But now, it's time for the boss level. Hey guys, this is Jeremy from 78 Productions, and this is the Level Up Podcast. Today with us for the boss level, we have Matt McKee. If you guys have been on Church Technology for any time, you know Matt McKee, maybe as the social media guy, maybe as the app guy. Matt, you have a lot of things going on. Can you just describe where you're at right now with Church and Technology? Well, I have the privilege of helping many uh, different organizations, um, that whether it's on a social media side, whether it's on an app side, or whether it's even leading a company or being a part of an investment group, I look at technology and how it can affect churches each and every day of my life. Uh, it's kind of a little passion. And the question that wakes me up truly is, um, how do you leverage technology for the sake of the gospel? So uh, I, I would like to say, hey, it's, uh, it's something I live for. Yeah. And I will say, a lot of people, it's a jack-of-all-trades, an expert in none, but you really, in many ways, deliver exactly what you promise in everything that you're you're doing, and you're doing it really well. And so from my standpoint, that is something that I personally value. I love the idea of a church technology, and this is quite frequent in church technology that we try to master everything, that there's the presentation software on Sunday, there's the soundboard, there's the the lighting and the camera work and we try to master all of that but you from from my angle set up a great precedent of trying to just do what you do really well and it doesn't have to limit how many things you do um, but what you do is really well and so for me that's an example of that's how a church technology team should run so thank you for that inspiration hey no problem I mean when it comes down to it uh, I mean I have a degree in uh, communications I have, a, of all things, I have a degree in theater. So <laughs> maybe I, I just act like I know what I'm doing. Uh, but to me, when looking at technology, no matter what it is, uh, whether it's a soundboard or whether it's an app or whatever it is, I would like to say, okay, how does this help get the message of Christ across? And uh, if we can strategically look at it, uh, then, uh, you know, let's go after that. And I've kind of been able to focus in on kind of different areas, 
uh, tried to solve that problem and then move on and say, okay, can I build another team and solve that problem? Yeah. Uh, I do nothing by myself. Uh, everything is a team approach, and I'm very blessed to say that. Very cool. So one of the big things that you have is an app product for people to basically sign up with you and say, here's what I want in an app. And people are probably experts in what they want, but definitely in the mobile app development, on not on how to create applications. And so I think this is a great setup, especially for churches that are smaller, but have a great technology lean in how they do it. Um, I think that youth youth groups have a great, great aspect in something like this. Um, and I don't want to necessarily get into the debate. There's a whole debate on should you go with an application or a website, and that's for a different discussion another day. But let's assume that people see the value in an application. What are some things that, that, that a church in general, um, and if you want to get into the niche part of it with the, the worship leader or the senior pastor and the youth, the youth pastor, what are some things that a church should really think about putting on their application if they were to go through you or to try to create something for their church? Uh, the latest stat I saw this morning uh, truly was 80% of the time that people spend on an iPad. Now, we could discuss whether that is a mobile device or not, but yeah. 80, 81% of the time is actually in an app. Yeah. So even that big of a screen, people are going, okay, let's get to an app. So uh, I'll quickly answer your question. Do I need a website or an app? And the answer is both. And the reason is this. Uh, people spend time there. So when you look at your app, you, to answer your question of what do I need there, it's where do you want people to spend their time? Where do you see the most strategic place that you can have people uh, look at your content and engage in your community? Yeah. So when, when looking at those types of things, um, of course, your, your message on Sunday, uh, reusing that as many times as possible because you put a lot of time and effort and energy and money into what goes on Sunday morning. So extending that conversation is huge. And that doesn't matter if you're the senior pastor, the worship pastor, the youth pastor, the children's pastor, I don't care who you are. Uh, extending the message is really what you're looking for, I believe, uh, yeah. in an app. The other thing is preparing the conversation. And what I mean by that is uh, not only do you have a, a chance to say, hey, this is what uh, your kids learned this past week, uh, parents, but also volunteers, here's what you could be uh, expected to um, to accomplish or here's a lesson for this week and there's a bunch of different things that you can do there. Um, you know, when we built our platform for churches, we actually put 20 different modules uh, on it. And the reason being, I mean, here's you know your photos, here's your uh, events that are going to happen, here's your sermons, here's your Facebook page, here's your Twitter account, all these different things that go into an app. The most really important thing that you need to think of when you look at an app is people are going to be using this in a mobile way. So when looking at your video or looking at your audio from your sermon, uh, making it to be as easy as possible for people to click on and, uh, and listen to is great because they're going to be in the car. They're going to be out running around. Uh, when looking at events, how easy is it uh, to see that? Uh, if I'm a parent, all those different types of things. Um, go into this, but in reality, you have to say as a church, when people are on the go, how easy do we make it to get to our content and engage in our community? Yeah, and and I will say, 
we've I've had this debate when you first rolled this out and you had that long promotion. It was like a year long thing. A lot of people were very particular about this kind of an approach, and in the, at least in the church technology realm, there was so many different people that were saying, "Oh, well, I could probably build that myself." And when they use the word "probably," and they're not a full time programmer, and they're just volunteer status—I say just volunteer—but they're volunteer status at their church. In the back of my mind, if you're going to make something for the church, and just as I had said before about your work ethic, if you're going to do something, do it right, do it well the first time. And in in my approach, if you're going to do a church app, you need to probably have the skills to be able to do something like that. And so to ask a teenager that's sort of dabbling in programming to do something that's going to take 6 to 12 months to put together, maybe not completely, I think that in the back of my mind... Don't go that route. Take the time. Take the value of what you can invest in and be able to put that out there. Did you have any thoughts on that process? Um, you know, I, uh, over, I over four years ago, almost five, yeah, it was uh, four and a half years ago now, I started Roar. And Roar uh, truly became, it because I got the iPhone, and I stood in line for the very first iPhone, and uh, I said, look, uh, there's this is going to change the way churches communicate to people, and uh, my first app company failed. Uh, my second one, uh, Roar, actually took off and has done quite well. And in that process, over the last four and a half years, uh, we've built a ton of apps. Uh, I mean, an absolute ton. And um, our name's not on all of them, and that's great. Um, but the idea of us getting developers um, and some of the best developers in the world uh, to help churches out, I think, is key. The other key is, um, even when I look at the board that I w- I've been able to put together, uh, one, of the, one of my board members is the CEO of AppCelerator. And AppCelerator is a cross-platform mobile um, company that is one of the hottest companies in Silicon Valley. And for him to look at the church and say, I want to help the church as well, and I want to help it go mobile and to get his insights and to get um, what he believes is going to be going forward and the way that you know the church and its message can be used on a mobile device is absolutely key. And those are perspectives that you can't get a lot of times when you look at your church and you look at even the programmers that you may have um, and saying, okay, not that we know best, but we want to come alongside the church and say, how can we help? Yeah. Now... A lot of people that listen to this are church technology or they are the youth worker that's trying to do 10 different rules for their church. Um, how The people that are listening to this probably don't have the capacity to say, yes, let's do this. I'm signing off on the budget. So they're going to have to pitch this to their church. And so how would they go about trying to say, yes, this is something that we need? Um, we're assuming that we don't have to sell the idea of uh, trying to get into more of a technology area that the church is at least somewhat proficient in this. So how do you take that next step of saying our church needs an app? How would, how would you say a church technology person would pitch that to their senior pastor or to the board of elders? Yeah, um, I would say yeah, pricing-wise, uh, there are a bunch of different options out there. Uh, Roar is not the only platform uh, that your church could go out and get. Uh, but pricing-wise, I mean, right now it's uh, $500 to set up, $50 a month, which covers iPhone, iPad, uh, and Android devices. So 
you get a very nice app across multiple platforms. The um, so pricing wise, you you may be going okay. That that seems expensive, um, and I'll just push back and say more than likely you're spending more on donuts every month. Mm-hmm. Um, more than likely you're spending more. I mean, if we look at priorities, and we just ask the question, how are you getting outside of the four walls of your church? Uh, and you can point to your website, and hopefully the people listening here have you know updated the website in the last 18 months to two years. Um, but I would also like to say, not only is it about the people that are coming, uh, but it's what you're doing with those people uh, and letting them share their influence outside of the platform, uh, outside of the four walls that you have. And uh, an app is just one of the tools. It's not the final or be-all tool, but it's uh, it's one that they will spend time in, which is great. For people that are online and trying to figure out how to be better engaged, maybe even figure out some more information on this, where do they go to connect with you or to Roar? Uh, they can go to Roar.pro, so R-O-A-R dot P-R-O. Uh, and yes, uh, that's not a .com, uh, and our, of course, web is changing. Over the next year or so, you're going to see a lot of .whatevers, uh, so that's Roar.pro. And uh, if you want to connect with me personally, uh, I run a blog at mattmckee.me, that's uh, M-A-T-T-M-C-K-E-E dot M-E. And I will say look you up on Twitter because as much as you post stuff, I think even more so the thing that I've gotten out of your interaction on Twitter is people talking to you as well as just your communication responses back and forth. I probably see more of that and enjoy those kind of conversations than even just what you're posting about your everyday and what you're going to and some different things going on. So I love the conversation that you're having as far as dialogue with people. So go check that out as well. Matt, thank you for joining up with the Level Up Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Level Up Podcast. If you haven't yet, subscribe to us on iTunes and sign up for the newsletter to get exclusive podcast content and freebies. See, well, here's the thing. I don't really know what I'm saying. I don't make I don't make fun of my iOS friends as much as I used to. At least I try not to.